Do these people have the Bible? Are they looking at what God says concerning how to appoint leaders in the church? Because God has not left us unclear on how to do that. One passage in the book of Nehemiah, which is very helpful in helping us understand how God, through his people, appoint godly leaders for his work. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Dave, today it's Letter Day, and I have a letter from Cheryl from Michigan. She writes, Dear friends at Equipping the Saints, enclosed is my love gift to help and encourage your ministry. Pastor Greg, you are a real blessing to me and so many. You preach from the heart, you don't hold back from the truth, and always back up your words with scripture. Praise God, love in Christ, Cheryl. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for your support of this ministry and your encouragement. What a blessing it is to us to hear what God is doing through his word. It's such an encouragement to us. So thank you so much. And Greg, today we begin chapter 7. Yes, we do, Dave. And I'm going to be reading a lot of verses, and there's a lot of names, and I'll probably botch a couple of them. And all these names and verses and numbers might seem insignificant, but they are quite important as a whole. So please turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 7, where we're going to get a glimpse of godly leadership. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast, as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, if you look around the church these days, what I've seen, unfortunately, is that leaders are a dime a dozen. You go to churches, and they got so many leaders. they got so many people leading. You find out lots of the people haven't even been there very long. It always grieves my heart when I'm looking at churches and I see, do I hear about the people that they appoint that are people who are new or haven't been believers for very long? And you wonder, do these people have the Bible when they do this? Are they looking at what God says concerning how to appoint leaders in the church? Because God has not left us unclear on how to do that. And we have many passages, as we'll briefly look at today in the New Testament, but we have one passage today in the book of Nehemiah, which is very helpful in helping us understand how God, through his people, appoint godly leaders for his work. And for us, that would be his work in the body of Christ. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah, so would you turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 7. And you're probably looking at that long list of names, and you're thinking, is he going to be able to sell those? Well, I'm going to try, but I'm probably not going to get them right. But it's God's Word, and we need to look at it. We need to understand why it's there. But I believe we're going to see the main point, hopefully, today from what God intended us to see. Now, Nehemiah was the cup over the king of Persia, the super empire of that time. He hears from his brother what's going on, and that the people are greatly distressed And he is moved to pray for the people and pray for Jerusalem. And he, within that time of praying, that four months, is drawn to see that he's the one that's going to go help. 
and he trusts the Lord and asks for favor and for success. And he asks the king, in the context of his being before him and being inquired upon, that he might go to Jerusalem, that he might be able to go rebuild there. And he has granted that request, and he wisely asks for all the things that he needs to do that. And we know he gets there, and we saw throughout chapters 3 is an overview of the building of the wall, but 2 and 4 through 6, we saw all the opposition that Satan brought forth through mankind, all the different ways and schemes that he opposed Nehemiah and the Jews, that they would be discouraged, that they would give up on the work. But God was gracious and brought it to a completion, as we will be reminded today, in 52 days. He brought it to a completion, and we're at that point in Nehemiah where the physical work is done, but now there's spiritual work to be done. We're going to see the rest of the book is really about rebuilding the people spiritually, that just like the walls that were in shambles, the people were in shambles, the gates broken down, spiritually speaking, and they needed to be restored, and we need to be restored, and so we're going to just jump into the beginning of that portion today. So again, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah, and we are looking at chapter 7. And today, I believe we're going to see that Nehemiah wisely appoints leaders, and we can gain some principles from that today. And it's a springboard for what we will see in the context of Nehemiah. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 7, we're going to look at the whole chapter. But first of all, I want to remind you that chapters 1 through 6 are about the rebuilding of the physical wall. And there certainly there were spiritual principles. We saw those. The physical wall of Jerusalem and the gates. And it was in the context of great opposition. And as we're going to see today, chapters 7 to the end are going to focus on the spiritual rebuilding of the Jews through the conviction of the word, the confession of sin, and then a determination to obey. Conviction of the word, confession of sin, and determination to obey. Remember those things. And as we come to chapter 7, you might say, are we really going to read all those names? And yes, we are. And so I probably won't get them right, but the Lord knows how they're pronounced, right? But I believe we're going to see a bigger picture in the second half of this book of what's really going on. So today, we're going to see that Nehemiah, first of all, is concerned about establishing leadership in Jerusalem. Secondly, because the city is empty, they got the walls fixed, they got the doors fixed, because the city is empty, he is concerned about getting the people back to Jerusalem to live there, to be populated, as we're going to see, by people who are following the Lord. And so then we look and you notice the city's empty. Look at verse 4, and we'll get to our passage and read through it, but look at verse 4 of chapter 7. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. Then God put into my heart, see the context there, the connection? Then God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the peoples to be enrolled by genealogies. So Nehemiah recognizes this city is spacious and large, but there are few there, not many houses. So he is prompted by the Lord, as we will see, to enroll the people in genealogies. That's to see who's there. And are they connected to the promises of the tribes that God gave the land? It's very connected to everything that God had done. And so it's very important. And so the implication is he's going to assemble the people together 
and in that context, move towards populating Jerusalem. And you say, well, how is that? How does he populate Jerusalem? Well, verse 4 helps us understand that he sees that need. Then look at chapter 11. Turn to chapter 11 for a moment. See, we don't hear anything about Jerusalem being populated after this point. And then we get to chapter 11. Notice what we'll say. Nehemiah 11, verse 1. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring out one of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in other cities. Now, this doesn't happen until after their restoration spiritually, as we're going to see. And then after this, we're going to see there is a great assembly for the dedication of the wall. But that's going to come after this. And we're going to see there's also sin that needs to be dealt with there too. So back in our passage, I believe we have here a portion of Scripture going up to chapter 11, which has to do with repopulating Jerusalem. But there's a problem. The people need to be restored and rebuilt just like the walls needed to. It's only then and only then that they're going to inhabit Jerusalem. So then let's take a look at our passage. Verse 1, Now it came about when the wall was rebuilt, and I had set the doors, and the gatekeepers, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Don't forget that. Isn't that great? Then I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot, and while they are standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post and each in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. Then my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. Then I found the book of the genealogy of those who had come up first, in which I found the following account. He found the Word of God, and we're going to see it is an exact copy from verses 6 to 9 from Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2 records the genealogies of those who first came out of Babylon. It was some 71 years earlier that Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back to rebuild the temple. And there was a group that left, and this is the numbers and genealogies of those who left. And so he finds us. So he's being prompted, as we'll see, to enroll in genealogy. And all of a sudden, then he finds this old genealogy. Very interesting. Very interesting how God works. We're going to see that, that often God will prompt us, and then he will lead us through his word. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read through a lot of this. As I told you, again, it is exactly the same as Ezra 2 from 6 to 69. But then at the end, there are some variations of the gifts that were given for the work and we'll talk about that when we get to that, okay? But let me give this a try, and we'll go through this, and I'm going to go through fast. It really is a list of names and then the numbers, okay? And so I'm going to go through it quickly. You might see some interesting things. You'll see singers, Levites. You'll see different groupings of people that are identified. You can just take a note of those things. you also see the Uman and the Thuman. You go, what is that? Well, we, no one really knows, but we'll talk about that a little bit, Okay. Uh, But this is not the main part of what we'll look at today, but we're going to go through it and read through it right now together. Verse 6, these are the people, here it is, this is the actual thing he found, this is the scripture that he found, okay? 
These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and had returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his city, who came with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah. That's not the same Nehemiah there. But it's a different Nehemiah. There was just like we have, hey, uh, there's a John. Oh, there's another John. Well, they had multiple Nehemiahs. This isn't the Nehemiah that we're looking at, but Azariah, Ra'amaiah, Nahamani, Mordecai. Hey, we know him, right? Bilshan, Mispereth, Bevi, Nahum, and Baana, the number of the men of the people of Israel. Now, I'm going to just go through this, walk through these. Remember, these are who came in the first return in the numbers. The sons of Perosh, 2,172. The sons of Shephatiah, 372. The sons of Ara, 652. The sons of Pahath, Moab. The sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2818. The sons of Elam, 1254. The sons of Azatu, 845. The sons of Zechai, 780. The sons of Benui, 648. The sons of Bebai, 628. The sons of Azgad, 2322. The sons of Atakim, 667. The sons of Begvi, 2067. The sons of Adin, 655. The sons of Atter, of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Hashem, 328, the sons of Bazai, 324, the sons of Haref, 112, the sons of Gibeon, 95, the men of Bethlehem and Netophah, 188, the men of Anathoth, 128, the men of Beth Azmaveth, 42, the men of Kinath Jearim, Sherefarah, and Beeroth. 743, the men of Ramah and Geba, 621, the men of Michmas, 122, the men of Bethel and Ai, 123, the men of the other Nebo, 52, the sons of other Elam, 1,254, the sons of Hiram, 320, the men of Jericho, 345, the sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721, the sons of Sana'ah, 3,930, the priests, now we've got some different people, right? The priests, the sons of Jedediah, the house of Yeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1052. The sons of Tashur, 1247. The sons of Hiram, 1017. The Levites, the sons of Yeshua of Kadmiel, the sons of Hodavah, uh, 74. The singers, the sons of Asap, 148. The gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Atur, the sons of Talmud, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hatiah, the sons of Shobai, 138, the temple servants, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Hashufa, the sons of Tabaoth, the sons of Karas, the sons of Saya, the sons of Padan, the sons of Lebana, the sons of Hagabah, the sons of Shalmai, the sons of of Hanan, the sons of Giddel, the sons of Gahar, the sons of Riah, the sons of Rezin, the sons of Nakoda, the sons of Gazam, the sons of Uzzah, the sons of Paseah, the sons of Besai, the sons of Mium, the sons of Nephushim, the sons of Bakbuk, the sons of Hakupta, the sons of Harher, the sons of Bazith, the sons of Mehada, the sons of 
the sons of Barkas, there's a normal name, right? The sons of Sisera, the sons of Tema, the sons of Neziah, the sons of Halaphah, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Sophereth, the sons of Parida, the sons of Jaiah, the sons of Darkon, the sons of Gidel, the sons of Shepelatiah, the sons of Haltil, the sons of Pachareth, Hazabim, the sons of Ammon, all the temple servants, and the sons of Solomon's servants were 392. And these were they who came up from Telma, Telharshat, Sherab, Adon, and Immer, but they could not show their father's houses, their descendants, whether they were of Israel. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, not the same Tobiah from our thing. This isn't old, this is 71 years earlier. The sons of Nakoda, 642. And all the priests, the sons of Hobiah, the sons of Hakaz, the sons of Barzilla, who took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai and the Gadite, whose name was after them. These searched among their ancestral registry but could not be located. Therefore, they were considered unclean and excluded from the priesthood. And the governor said to them, that would be Zerubbabel at that time, the governor said to them that they should not eat from the most holy things until a priest arose with Uman and Thuman. Now, there's very few things about the Uman and Thuman. It's said that these were, you look at the references on the priest's garment of righteousness when they would make judgments, they had either two stones, Uman and Thuman, and basically it was some way that God used to determine very difficult situations. It's like lots in a sense, but it was God's sovereign way of doing it. It was the Uman and Thuman. So there's not very much that. We know that God in many ways, in many portions, spoke in the past, but now he speaks through his son. There was lots of things in the Old Testament that aren't right now. So I'm going to come back. Let's see here. Where's the Uman and Thuman? Uh, the whole assembly together was 42,360. That's how many people came who were Jews back to the land. Now that's out of about a few million. That's all that came back. And this was to rebuild the temple. We see this in Ezra chapter 2. And then he also talks about, besides their male and female servants, whom were 7,337, 245 male and female singers. That's like a boombox, but with a human boombox, right? They had their singers, you know, and their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, their donkeys 6720. Now, I may have made some mistakes in the numbers there, but the word is clear what it is, okay? And then at this point, that's what he found. Then there's a variance when you look between here. And I just struggled in my preparation. Why the differences? Because God's word is perfect. God doesn't make errors. Why the difference? And there's some thoughts why. One is that the first account in Ezra chapter 2 speaks of the gifts that were graciously given for the work of the rebuilding temple from that group. It's said that these might be speaking of Nehemiah and what was given here at this time. It's quite possible that they were added into the book or added together with that. You see what I'm saying? Because it doesn't talk about the governor giving anything in Ezra, but it talks about the governor giving something here. So let's take a look at this real quick. And some from among the heads of the father's households gave to the work. You know, they had a heart to give to the work. I hope you have a heart to give to the work. You know, they gave to the work. The governor, this is probably Nehemiah, I can't say for sure, but I'm going to say that's my thought. The governor gave the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas. Now, there's another word for drachma. We'll see it later on. It's, that it's a Persian coin, a daric, I think it is. 
basically it was months worth of wages, about eight grams of gold, something like that. I don't, I don't know how many ounces it was. You can look it up. But it was a lot of money. So think of giving a thousand months wages. That's a significant gift. These are big numbers. These are gracious, large gifts for the work of ministry. And that's a point that we'll see later on, that God moved people to help provide for the work of the ministry. And these are gracious, big gifts. The governor gave the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, 50 basins. Those will be gold basins, by the way. 530 priests' garments. This is all for the ministry, all because they were coming in, right? And they were revamping. We see it back in the first Nehemiah. We'd also see it here, but expanded in the numbers, also with the governor. And some of the heads of the father's households gave to the treasury of the work 20,000 gold darns and 2,200 silver minas. And that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas and 2,000 silver minas and 67 priest garments. The people gave a ton, too. That's a lot. Now, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, and some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their cities. Now, Ezra ends at that statement. So it's thought that actually chapter 8 starts at the second half of actually this verse right here. And when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in their cities. It transitions from how, first of all, they were in their cities, but here now Israel is like this first group. They're in their cities. They're not fully established with Jerusalem yet. That's really what it's moving to point to, okay? So with that in mind, wanted to make sure we went through the word word for word and that these genealogies are pretty straightforward, not much teaching to be taught about it. But what we do understand is that God cares about people and he knows your name and he knows what you're doing. And here he's recorded those who sacrificed their comfy lives and they had comfy lives in Babylon and they left to serve the Lord. And they're named here, okay? Okay, so with that in mind, let's take a look at our passage back where we start again. And we're going to see how God, through Nehemiah, appointed some leadership. Notice our verse 1. Now, it came about when the wall was rebuilt, right? All right. And I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed, okay? And he's going to say, it came about when all this was done, then I did this. So he's going to say, And notice back in chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Ul in 52 days. That's the sixth month of the Jewish calendar. That is five days before what we're going to read here and what begins in chapter 8. We're going to see in chapter 8, verse 2. Notice this. Look at chapter 8, verse 2. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. That's five days after the completion of the wall. We're going to see that God moves the people in the context of Nehemiah's desire to bring them together. He moves them to come together and he moves them to hear the word of God, as we're going to see, and to be convicted by the word of God. And it's great. By the way, just read through these chapters going on, and you read about even later on when he talks about their sin, and you see the sin of Israel. They confess their sin, but they confess the whole nine yards from when it started. You know, they go up through it, and you hear one thing after another, a great summary of Israel's sin. But God's faithfulness, he never forsook them, but he disciplined them as a nation, right? Very awesome. 
And so here, we're reading a chapter, chapter 7, which is five days before chapter 8. And we're going to find out that chapter 8, they're going to realize, whoa, it's the time for the Feast of Booths. They're getting convicted, and they actually do it for the first time ever since Joshua. There's a change going on. There's conviction. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Wow, Greg, that is a lot of names and numbers. Yes, it is, Dave, and yet it's God's Word. So why so many names and numbers? Well, you're just going to have to tune into the next broadcast of Equipping the Saints, where we're going to see exactly what the Lord is doing through Nehemiah. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church. Yeah.